So, like I said, my name is Brian. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Brian. Um, thank you, Mike, for reminding me about this meeting and uh, for having me be here and talk. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I took a, a, a 30, uh, 29 day or less, or sorry, 29 day or less chip because, um, you know, I, it was told to me a long time ago, um, like, you know, how free do I want to be? You know, and what does that look like to me? Well, honesty, you know, like I had to be, you know, become really, really honest, you know, vigorous honest, like it says. And uh, so I don't know about you guys, but my alcoholism adapts. So if it's not alcohol, it'll turn to food, to other things. It'll turn into, you know, uh, prescription medication is, is also that's that's why, um, you know, I reset my clock because I called my sponsor and I told him, I said, you know, um, I'm feeling some kind of way about this and, you know, I'm starting to use, well, it, it was all bullshit. The, the reality was I, I knew what I did, you know, and I need, I needed to tell myself and, um, being the program, that's what I learned, you know, to do is to tell myself, you know, how am I going to get better if, if, you know, I'm only uh, lying to myself, but, uh, alcohol has been a part of my life since I was a little kid. I grew up in an Irish Italian family. And if anybody knows about Irish and Italians, we like to drink a lot. And, uh, it was very common for us to be drinking, you know, as kids, there's pictures of me drinking. I, you know, I, I remember my first sip that I remembered, I remembered the flavor of it and it tasted really, really good. And I was just a little kid, but you know, my, my drinking career didn't really start, uh, super early. Um, it's actually funny. Uh, I started with actually, uh, cannabis. Uh, I was in seventh grade. I, I had watched uh, the breakfast club. I'm sure a lot of you seen the breakfast club and, uh, I, I remember seeing them, you know, dancing around and laughing and everything. And I was just like, ah, that looks like a lot of fun. Well, I got a big surprise on that one. Uh, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. All I know is that I was expecting to laugh. So I had a, I had this girl on the bus. Like I, I played this thing out like perfectly, you know, chewed up ravioli in the morning, spit it in the toilet, told my mom I was sick. And then I put on breakfast club. I go outside and I take a couple puffs of this thing and, uh, it did not make me laugh. It made me freak out. I don't know if you guys have seen Ted too, where he's like stuck to the wall saying, you know, like, help me. Like, that's, that's what can that's what it did to me. So my mom was kind of like, well, that kid will never do drugs or drink like that. And this, well, sorry, mom. Um, the, so what ended up happening is, um, you know, over time, um, I, I would drink, but um, I didn't, I wasn't drinking to numb my feelings. You know, that didn't start until I was in my early twenties, but, um, I am the type of alcoholic that, um, I was a functioning alcoholic for many years. Um, I was drinking anywhere from, you know, 12 to 1500 milliliters of vodka, you know, cause in the beginning I got tired of peeing with beer, you know, it just got a little annoying having to pee every five minutes, but. I was definitely the type of drinker that could drink. I'd be a fifth deep and be driving around with my kids, working a job, driving a company vehicle. Um, I've crashed a number of cars. You know, I definitely crashed a company vehicle. And of course it wasn't my fault because there was another driver that was invisible. Um, you know, it's all the things that, that we do when, we, well, I do when I drink. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I really had a problem though. And uh, it, it, was, it wasn't until 2012 that I really realized I was an alcoholic. 
2012, I was living in Big Bear, and uh, I had a fiance at, at the time. Uh, sorry, honey, I told you about her. Um, I had a fiance at the time, and uh, she told me. She said, "Well, you can. Here's the booze." And she had a bottle in hand. She says, "Here's me. Make your choice." Of course, you know, I chose her, and um, so later on that evening, I start to get sweat, sweating, and feeling weird, and there was this like weird like thing of light like following me around in my eye, and uh, later that night I had a grand mal seizure, and I, I didn't know that stopping alcohol abruptly would do that, and I had been drinking every day solid for at least a good four years, solid, I mean every day for four years, and not just drinking, I mean really drinking, you know, like not a sip, not a beer, you know, and uh, so um, I had the grandma seizure, but that's not, that wasn't enough. What actually showed me there was something wrong was when she said, I remember coming to you and she says, you want me to call 911? And I said, sure, just hand me that beer first. You know, I mean, that's, that's the type of thing that I as an alcoholic, you know, it, I needed my alcohol. I mean, I needed it, I needed it like a heroin needed a fix. That's, that's what I needed. There was a certain amount, you know, <laughs> It's kind of funny too in the beginning. I mean, like, who do we think we're fooling when like buying who buys twenty of those little vodka, you know, like the little single shots, the airplanes? I mean, I must have I, when I cleaned up a little bit. Like, I found probably at least a hundred of those bottles, and I did the math on that. I'm like, I could have bought pretty, you know, a few bottles, uh, good bottles of, of vodka, but I don't know. It's like this thing, you know, hiding them and then putting them in weird places and making sure that I always had a bottle. But anyway. Those are my qualifications. Um, I do belong here, that's for sure. Um, so what I'm doing now, um, the difference between now and the last time I, I've, I've tried it, and many times I've tried getting sober, is, um, I don't know, I found God. And finding God was the biggest, uh, was the biggest game changer for me. Because I started actually using God for what, you know, other people have told me to do, you know, my fears, you know, give all these things to God. You know, and I used to think that, um, you know, that people were crazy. It's like, oh, you're nuts, you know, give it to God. He's not going to do anything. But, you know, I always knew there was something there, but I, I never had seen like, I never really had a spiritual awakening, you know, and I did. I had one. And so between that and working with my sponsor and just being completely honest, you know, that, that's, that's the thing is, I mean, now if I tell like a little lie, you know, or something, it bothers me, you know, I, I'll tell you a story real quick. So I, uh, I was at a gas station and I was pumping the gas, you know, usually when you hand them $20, you hand them a, a bill and they put that amount on it. So I think I handed them a 20 or something and then it kept going past 20 and I, I clicked the gas real quick and I went and told the guy, which me before would have just let that thing fill up. But that's not the worst. That's not the funniest part. The thing is, is those couple dollars, I didn't have any extra money on me at the time. And the guy said, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But it, it messed with me like the whole, like uh, for a few days. So I went back there and I gave him the couple bucks and he just looked at me and he said, oh, you know, but that's how my mind thinks. Like, I, I have to be honest like that now. You know, I have to be totally honest because if I'm not, I mean, I'm going to end up right back where I was, you know, and, and that was a very scary place. You know, I have a lovely wife here and my friend Eric, good friend. Um, I'm making actually friends in AA. And my phone used to be, it used to be brother, 
mom connect 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 liquor store and then like but now it's just all a a a a family you know what i mean like i actually did what was suggested by getting a wall of people that are in the program and i didn't really know what that would do for me until one night i got into trouble i didn't really get into trouble but i was feeling some kind of way and i just kept calling people down the list and finally someone picked up i was in an unsafe situation they sent an uber for me and took me somewhere safe because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do, is use those numbers to call for help, not drunk dial them, which I learned that's not a good idea to do. Um, old Brian. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is, is I actually like who I am today. You know, I'm a caring person. You know, I don't know many of you people out here, but I have a love for all of you because we are in a program that is such an amazing program. I mean, how blessed are we to have this? You know, everybody in the world, like, you know, normies, whatever you want to say, call it, um, they, you know, we have, we have it all in front of us, what we have, what, or what's suggested to do. And it's not just working the 12 steps, it's, it's a life, you know? Those 12 steps to me are 12 steps to living life, me living life, you know? And every day I take that inventory, you know, I get on my hands and knees every day and thank God for every breath that I have, because you know what, I should not be standing here. I could get into some stories, but I'm not, um, you know, I've been dead on the table at DOA before. Um, you know, I really should not be here, but obviously God has a plan for me. And for once, I'm actually taking the passenger seat. I'm giving God, the, gave God the keys, and I just say, you know, put my hand out for the work. Whatever he puts in front of me, it's, it's meant to be. Because I know that where I'm walking now is the right path. So walking the right path and being honest, not using, not drinking, um, everything I, I can see that comes from God. You know, I see how God speaks to me in ways, you know, that I, I, I was in a situation once and I almost took a drink, but right as I was about ready to call the liquor store, my sponsor called. Come on, you know. I, was, I looked up and I was just like, I just started laughing because it's like, that's how the program works. You know, it's like we, these little moments, these little things. And a lot of people say that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, people talk about miracles, things like this. I'm like, you know what a miracle is? A miracle is when somebody makes a phone call to, to somebody for help versus the connect. That's a miracle. You know, it's a miracle that I'm standing here. You know, like, there's miracles all around us. And, you know, as I was talking to some people, um, about this and they started looking at me like, you know what, you're right, because it, it is, you know? I mean, the little things, I mean, we're the only people that that like give a stand, standing applause for somebody who just opens up a bank account, you know what I mean? It's like these normal things that normal people do, I mean, they're, they're humongous to us and I, I just love the program. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm very thankful to be here. Um, I'm sorry I really don't have a whole lot of interesting things to say, but um, I'm just grateful to be here and to be sober. Thank you. Yeah. Now, oh. yeah. Okay. And now we have Mike as our speaker. Be honest, Mike. Uh, thanks, Brian. Uh, Brian and Danielle were our two uh, chip takers today, his, his wife. So uh, congratulations. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm alcoholic. And um, I want to thank Les for uh, asking me to share. And, uh, you know, I've been AWOL from AA for quite a while. 
Um, I, I did a, a, I've done an eight-year stint in Al-Anon. Um, by the way, are there any Al-Anons here tonight? Yeah, see, there's a few here. Uh, I was Al-Anon before I was alcoholic, but uh, my talk tonight's going to center around Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I got to tell you, this is the meeting that uh, reconnected me to AA. I uh, decided to come here one night. Marcos, uh, my sponsor, invited me, and and uh, nothing but kindness here. Uh, you know, right on down the road, uh, Fernando and uh, Lisa making the cakes, and Rachel doing the literature. And I met Brandon tonight. He's the uh, lettuce and tomato guy, <laughs> I guess. And uh, and then Tina, she's always doing something. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm blessed, you know, I'm really blessed. I, 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 I got a lot of friends here tonight too. Uh, Adam asked me how I was doing and I, and I said, I'm blessed. I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I know that sounds pretty incredible, but it's true. If you've been here any length of time uh, and you live the way that I've lived, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not deserving. But, uh, you know, I always had problems with people who are name droppers, but, uh, that was my dad saying, uh, Brian, build a wall of AA friends. That's what he lived by. And uh, I had a problem when I was new uh, in AA because um, these people would get up at the podium and they'd start dropping names. And I didn't know anybody. I was new, fairly new. Um, my dad got sober when I was 12. And uh, we were having all the AA parties. But um, I see Dan here tonight. And I used to go to meetings with his dad in the morning. And... Uh, and then something funny happened. I stuck around and then pretty soon I had a list of names. And then pretty soon I was getting up at the podium and I was sharing and I had names. And uh, uh, I don't know if that alienates the new person or not. I, don't, I hope not. Uh, we don't have too many here tonight, but uh, you stick around here long enough, not only will you meet people that really impact your life, but you'll hear your story from up here. You know, these are almost like interrogation lights. I don't, don't let them scare you. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the, the podium is, uh, this is truth serum, you know. So I asked Marcos if he would lead, and he said, no, I can't do that. And I, now I know why, <laughs> right? But, um, you know, I asked for the Al-Anon people because, uh, you know, my dad was a daily drinker till I was 12. Uh, we hail from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my dad won, won and he was real reckless, real unpredictable. Um, I, I kind of liken his drinking very similar to mine. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Let's Make a Deal, Money Hall, back in the day. And, uh, you know, they had three doors. First door was like a trip to the Bahamas. The second door was uh, a speedboat. And the third door was like a donkey with pulling a cart or something crazy like that. And that's pretty much how uh, unpredictable my father's uh, alcoholism was. And I was fortunate because he did a lot of his drinking away from the, from the house. I see that now as a blessing. Uh, but we, uh, we did a geographical in 67. He packed us three kids up and my mom left for California with $100 in his pocket, no job. And, um, and I think he got dry for a minute or two, but uh, we were out here about 30 or 40 days and his dad died, dropped dead. And the reason that's important, excuse me, the reason that's important is because uh, my grandfather, his father, uh, had loved my dad unconditionally. In fact, he even tried uh, way back in the day to do an intervention on him, long before interventions were even in vogue uh, like they are today, like you see the show, you know. 
And uh, so when my grandfather died, we were out here 30 days, we flew back, and that was the beginning of my dad's bottom. And, um, you know, I've, I've got kids that are sober, which is pretty amazing. And my daughter asked me, she goes, Dad, what does it take? What does it take? You know, because uh, she had a few episodes, the book calls them episodes. And I said, usually, her, her name's Ricky, yeah, and I named her. Uh, I, named her <laughs> I named her after the Steely Dan song. Um, I said, Ricky, usually, and, I, and it's the same thing that Ray told me, Ray Goodman was my sponsor. He said, usually you gotta lose something that's really dear to you. And that's a fact. Uh, I don't know what it's gonna take for you because she was uh, in and out of sobriety and uh, she's eventually found it. She's not an AA member um, and I'm not God, you know. Uh, uh, through the program, I've learned to stay in my own hula hoop. So, uh, you know, she, she goes to a therapist. I don't know if she's on medication or not. That's none of my business either. All I know is she doesn't drink. She doesn't black out. She's got three kids, and uh, she's living a pretty good life. My son's sober up in Washington. I think he smokes on the side, if you know what I'm trying to say. And again, not judging. I just know for me, I can't do any of that stuff. Brian talked about it. I can't do any of that stuff. And then I, I have another daughter who uh, uses the church. So, you know, we, uh, we in AA have not cornered the, cornered the market in sobriety. Definitely have not. But this is the only thing that I've found that's worked for me. Um, and and, I'll, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my drinking now. Uh, the book calls them episodes. My first episode, really, uh, was about uh, 20 years old now. Mind you, my father has gotten sober by now. And um, it was really kind of interesting. I'd go into the kitchen, and we used to have this clock on the wall. Well, it was a plaque with a clock. And it said, there will be no drinking until 5 o'clock. And every, and every number on the clock was a 5, right? So that gives you some idea. So one day, I go out in the kitchen, and in place of that was the serenity prayer. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what's this all about, you know? And uh, my dad was pretty absent in, uh, uh, as a sober member, as he had to be, because he was a daily drinker. I get it. And he poured himself into the program. But my first episode, I was 20 years old. I was with my high school sweetheart, and I rear-ended a police car. And uh, I was on Quaaludes and alcohol. I'm not going to talk about drugs at all, but that's the case. You know, Bill and Bob took drugs. It's in the book, by the way. But I rear-ended this cop and um, impacted him pretty good because I didn't hit the brakes. He stopped at a stop sign. He made a right. I made a left. My parents' house was three doors down. My parents were out of town. And I couldn't decide whether to park it in the driveway or on the street. So I put it halfway up on the curb, halfway down, <laughs> let it down. And they'd whip or U-turn, and they're looking for a fight. And I'm in no condition to even, you know. Um, and so I went to jail. and. Uh, and uh, I got processed that day, and they asked me uh, for a breath test. And I don't know what the law is now, but I think you have a choice. I gave a breath, and it didn't register because I had just started drinking. It was really the drugs that night. And uh, so they said, well, we want to we want to take you to the hospital and give you a blood test, too. And I said, sure, let's go. You know, I. and um, anyway, long story short, I, I go, you know, uh, I, I later told my parents what had happened, and... Uh, they already knew because I got arrested on my parents' front lawn, so it was kind of a spectacle in the neighborhood. You know, it wasn't really a secret. <laughs> and uh, 
You know, I uh, I went to the court and I looked up on the wall and I'm looking for my case and I don't see my name. And I sit back down and uh, I'm trying to muster. The, my dad sent me to court without an attorney. I'm sure he did that on purpose. You got yourself into this mess, you know. And I went back up there and looked and I didn't see my name. And finally, I got enough courage to talk to the clerk. And I went to the clerk and she said, well, uh, you need to go next door. And next door was the West Vena Police Department. So I thought, wow, they're gonna just they're gonna just jail me right now. <laughs> and uh, I went to the, the cop at the at the desk and he got on the phone and he came back and he said, um, the district attorney has rejected your case. So I'm a 20-year-old long-haired surfer that doesn't surf. I'm a little bit like Spicoli in uh, <laughs> you know, in fast times. And I like, you know, I'm like district I, what does that mean and he really sarcastically got up in my face and he goes you're free to go <laughs> you know um so i anyway uh what the good that came out of that was i went to my first meeting and uh, i went to a meeting on grand avenue it was a church meeting and i was sweating bullets i didn't understand anything that was going on and i remember they read from chapter five this is chapter five and I said, chapter five, what chapter five of what? What is this chapter five, you know? And uh, that's why when I get a chance to read chapter five, I say chapter five from the book, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I know that sounds really simplistic, but that's where I started in AA. And, um, and then they read the traditions and I was like, traditions, what the what, tradition of what? And uh, you know, I later found out the traditions, you know, the, AA, the 12 steps of AA is how it works. And the traditions, they, uh, I think they approved those like, I don't know, 15 years after AA was started because the group started to unravel. Uh, they were fighting amongst each other and, uh, the, and it looked like AA might not hold together. And, um, and that's the glue, you know, the traditions are the glue. Now, a lot of times they turn a blind eye to the traditions, it kind of scares me. But uh, again, I'm in my own hula hoop. I'm not a big political guy, so I just, uh, you know, I know what works for me. And they told me that if I apply those 12 steps to my life, and if I apply those traditions to my life, that's interesting. Uh, you mean I have to be self-supporting through my own contributions? In other words, I gotta get a G-J-O-B, job. I almost spelled it wrong, right? <laughs> and I was an educator for 34 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because my father would not uh, sponsor anybody that was on medication and again I'm not going to get into that controversy because I, I know there's people that need it I get it I sponsored a few guys that needed it and uh, and he wasn't going to sponsor anybody that didn't have a job and what that tells me is not only do I need to be of service to the people in Alcoholics Anonymous but I need to be this uh, to service uh, to my fellow man out there because I, I don't know about you, but I had to spend 35, 34 years in a career where I dealt with the public. And, uh, and I, wasn't, I, did, I, I didn't have the luxury of surrounding myself with alcoholics all the time, uh, sober alcoholics, I mean, and sometimes wet alcoholics. But, um, but anyway, um, I only have about 30 minutes to, <laughs> to try to wrap this up, and I'm gonna try to connect the dots because it's been a while. Uh, my next, I'll fast forward. Um, I'm engaged to be married to that high school sweetheart. And uh, I get arrested on the 210 freeway uh, right across from the Miller Brewery. 
And that's before the 210 was as busy as it is now. It was desolate. And the CHP, two of them, they get out, you know, they, they come up to the window. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm a blackout drinker. I never crossed an invisible line. I, from, I, I should have... I, I should have had nothing to do with alcohol from the get-go. But he comes up to the window and he says, okay, so where are you guys going? And I told him, we're going to the morgue. Yeah. So there was a chill in the air, obviously, because they, they don't know who I am and they don't know who my buddy is either. And um, gets me out of the car and the, the drink of choice that night was uh, Southern Comfort in a squirt bottle. If you know Squirt, that's like, it's like, it's like Sprite, I guess. I don't even know if they sell it anymore, Squirt. But that was the social drinker that I was. That was the drink of choice that night. And um, he instantly knew we had open container. I'm not sure exactly how he did that, but he did. And then he tricked me into handcuffs. And uh, I went to jail that day. And this one stuck. And I was humiliated, right? Uh I mean, I'm a college graduate, you know, I'm, I'm humiliated. This is horrible. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not this problem drinker. I, I, you know, I'm on, I'm just, you know, it, I think it was spring break. I'm, I'm just having a good time. And, um, I went to, um, I went to a morning meeting during that period of time at the Pomona Valley hospital. And I remember they, they had everybody introduce themselves going around uh, the room, and then they had you say, you know, I'm Jim, I'm alcoholic, I'm Barbara, I'm alcoholic, and it got to me, and I said, I'm Mike, and I'm here on a court card. <laughs> and somebody shouted out, you're in the right place, and I thought, that is, you know, wow, really? You know, that, that, that was so humiliating, you know, that that would, that, that would be the case. And uh, so I remember I went to, um, I had to do some meetings. This one stuck. I had to go to a high gain program, learn all about alcoholism, which I knew because uh, my dad had uh, sent, left all the pamphlets around the house, tried to recruit me into Alcoholics, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I remember uh, in one particular instant, he took me to uh, Betty Ford Clinic to, he knew I liked baseball. And there was a pitcher named Bobby Welch. Um, and he was, uh, there was a film on him at Betty Ford Clinic, so he took me there. And um, I don't remember much about the film. I do remember one, a couple of things. One was that he drank when times were good and times were bad. So he drank when he won and he drank when he lost. And, um, and I thought, wow, he drank when he lost. What a loser. Because I was a good time drunk. I don't know about you, but... Uh, when things got rough, I got down to business and I got things squared away. And the book talks about it, you know. Uh, we build up, we build up, we build up, and then a series of sprees, we start to tear it all back down. And that was me. And the other thing that I remember about the film, so I guess he did in some ways plant some seeds, but it was the title of the film was The Secret That Everybody Knows. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, all throughout my disease, you know, I, I thought this was a big secret that, you know, I'm just this, you know, college guy who, you know, drinks occasionally. And, uh, you know, I was just a drunk, basically just a drunk. So I, after that 502, I went to the calendar and um, I drew a little martini glass on the, uh, on the, on the calendar. And I... Uh, 
I put a line through it and I said, that's it. And uh, you cannot convince me that alcoholics don't have any willpower because I refuse to believe that. And I stayed dry for over a year, over a year. I had no God, I had no support system, I had no 12 steps in my life. Um, my higher power was my wife, my high school sweetheart. She hated me. And uh, uh, my solution, my program at that time, I would go to a walk-in theater by myself. I'd sit in the back in the dark and I'd just sit there and try to shut this head off. Because I don't know about you, but when I stop drinking, this starts running. And I never knew that till I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. Someone talked about the committee and their head running. And I was like, oh my God, you mean this happens to other people too? Because, uh, you know, you hear about all that stuff, the squirrel in the cage, all that stuff. My head would run and the only thing that would quiet it down uh, would be uh, a drink. And of course, I've, I had compiled many embarrassing moments, many hurtful situations, and uh, I can't even begin to tell you what I dragged my, that high school sweetheart through. Uh, but if you drink like I do, you know, you already know. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I had this year dry and I gotta tell you, it was the worst year of my life by far, but it was a learning. It was a big learning thing for me. And uh, my, uh, my then brother-in-law said, hey, you know what? I gotta go to La Paz, Mexico in Cabo San Lucas. You wanna go? And I said, yeah, let's go to Cabo. That sounds good, right? And now, I, you know, I look back and I know what I was doing. And I was setting up my drink, you know? Um, and that's what we do a lot of times, you know? Blame others. Oh, that person didn't uh, talk to me enough. Or that person insulted me. And, uh, and you know, we alcoholics, we're sensitive people. I used to, I used to wear that as a badge till I heard in a meeting that... Uh, Sensitivity is a sign of immaturity. I was like, ooh, I don't like the way that sounds. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention that anymore. And then, uh, you know, I consider myself this emotional, feeling guy. And the truth of the matter is that was BS. Because uh, I wanted to get what I wanted to get. And uh, I had this, I put up this guise of, of caring and, and concern and all of that. And uh, you know what happened. I went down to Cabo, and I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm at, on a white sandy beach, and uh, there's this straw hut bar, and it's 90 degrees, and uh, the book talks about the mental twist. I'm not really afraid of the first drink. I'm not afraid to say that either. What I'm afraid of is the mental twist that precedes the first drink. Because when that hits, man, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. That's just the way it is. And the mental twist that day was, what's this going to hurt? I'm 800 miles from home. Who's this going to affect? You know, why? You know, uh, yeah, other, other uh, mental twists is I deserve this. I work hard. If you were married to her, you'd drink too. <laughs> you know, um, you should see the boss I have to deal with every day. You know, people don't understand me when I speak. They don't listen to me. All of that, you know, and uh, I spent a, a, a drunk week down there. My wife had just given birth, by the way, I forgot to mention. And uh, 
I left about a week after that. I come back, I get out of the truck, climb out of the truck, and she took one look at me and she knew. And I don't have no, any idea how she knew, but she knew. And uh, what did it hurt? I'll tell you what it hurt, six more years of drinking. And I can't even begin to tell you what that did to my marriage, those six years. And of course, if you continue to drink, the cost gets higher and the consequences become bigger. And uh, that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I'm no different. And um, I'm gonna fast forward now, I'm gonna get sober. I got about 10 minutes to get sober and tell you about it. <laughs> uh, my wife and I went to Hawaii and uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to like an amusement park. You're supposed to be having a good time and you're not. There we are in paradise and we're hating each other. And I told her, <laughs> I said, I'm starting a job in September, and I'm, when we get back, I'm leaving. And she didn't put up a fight either. She was like, okay. And uh, I noticed something that time I left. I was looking out the window at my friend's house, who, uh, you know, I rented a room from him. He drank the way I drank, and, and she wasn't pulling up outside the house anymore. She wasn't following me around. And uh, that was uh, quite an eye-opener, because uh, we had the typical come-here-go-away relationship. Um, and uh, I uh, don't have time to tell you everything that went down, but I, got, I became suicidal and uh, eventually I gave my dad a call and I said, you know what, dad, uh, I, need to, I think I need, I'm half drunk. I need to go to ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. If you would have done a better job, I wouldn't be in this mess. I'm in this condo in Azusa. And, I'm, and then he listened very politely and I hung up and I called him back later. I said, you know what, dad, I need to get back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And the guy that I thought of was uh, Harvey. I don't know if anybody remembers Harvey, but he's the guy I thought of. And the reason I thought of him is I thought that guy enjoys him, himself in sobriety. He has a good time in sobriety. And I just didn't think that was possible. And um, the problem is I couldn't get a hold of him. He was in every meeting I went to, but I couldn't get a hold of the guy. And uh, everybody told me, you know what, you need to go to that morning meeting, the 615 Attitude Adjustment. And there was only one problem with that. That was the meeting my dad started, and uh, he was top on my resentment list, you know. <laughs> I hadn't done any steps yet, you know. I hadn't done any steps yet. And eventually, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear, and I, uh, I, I bumped into Ray Goodman at a meeting, and, and uh, what a man. Wow, what a man. Woo. Yeah, I mean... I'm dropping names again, but I got to tell you. Uh, he told me, he said, he goes, Mike, uh, we're going to work on physical sobriety. That's all we're going to work on, physical sobriety. And I thought, wow, you know what? I think I can do that because by this time I'm periodic. Um, this is the way I, I was living my life at that time with my wife and my kid, my kids, two kids. Um, I had to wait till party season, birthdays. Um, it started with uh, Halloween. That was acceptable. You know, I could stay drunk during that period of time. Uh, and then you advance to uh, the, uh, the World Series, hoping it goes seven games. <laughs> Come on, I don't care who wins. Uh, you know, then you get into Thanksgiving. Then you get into the Christmas season. Uh, then you get into New Year's. Then you get into Super Bowl, like this Sunday. This would be a big time drunk, right? And it would be acceptable. Uh, now, in between all that time, I am irritable and discontented and dry. 
and trying to be that family man, trying to be that husband, trying to be that community person, uh, dying. And then nature plays a really cruel trick on us alcoholics if you drink that way. Here comes Valentine's Day. Now I'm going to make it up to that girl. All the torture, you know. You know, and, and for one day, I'm going to tell her how much I care and how much I love her. And doesn't she understand? And, and, um, but anyway, I, I was convinced I could stay physically sober. And he said, I want you to call me every day and tell me what takes place. And I said, I will. And um, I got to get some water. And I did that. And one, uh, one day... I didn't have such good news for him, and I told him what was up, and I wasn't proud of my behavior that day, and he told me, he said, he said, wow, Mike, he goes, that's not very spiritual, is it? And I go, no, it's not, and he goes, and this is the magic moment for me. He said, you're going to have to go where your character defects take you. And that hit me between the eyes, like as if someone took a sledgehammer, because what I realized was I was going to have to accept me the way I was, flaws and all, and I was going to have to try to work these steps to the best of my ability. And if I did that, and I stayed close, and I stayed true to myself, then I was going to be able to live a sober life. And, I, and still to this day, I, I, I mean, I get chills right now thinking about it. That was the moment for me. And... Uh, we went on, I did my inventory, he set a date for me, very loving man, I got in a relationship right away, my wife's over the hill with two kids, I'm in Covina renting an apartment, I, I got involved with a girl right away, she had a year and a half, and I had four months, I think by this time, and, and we set a date on the calendar to, to get the inventory, and uh, you know, I was a kind of, sort of guy. The thing about the inventory is you gotta write it, but you also have to give it out loud. And so I sat with him and I said, well, you know, um, I guess I did this. And he goes, well, yeah, you did this. And I go, well, yeah, I guess I did. I sort of did. And he goes, no, you did this. And I go, well, yeah, I guess I did. He goes, you did this. <laughs> and I said, again, first time ever, I did this. And uh, he led me through the steps, um, led me through the uh, amends. Told me there was a woman at work that you are not making amends to this woman. And I said, yeah, but I heard her. He goes, it doesn't matter. You're not going there. You're not going to do that. Um, the amends can't be a selfish process. Um, you're going to do more damage. And, and uh, anyway, um, I got about six minutes to tell you. About six years sober, I'd li made all the living amends, and my my it was my wife's turn, and she had a pretty good drinking career herself, but. Uh, it was her turn to kick up her heels, and and uh, I was bathing the kids, shopping, doing you know, vacuuming, working full time, and uh, but I was happy to do it because I was back in the home with my kids, and uh, and it was her turn, you know, and uh, that was the problem with us from the beginning. We were never on the same page at the same time, and. Um, and so the day came, you know, I was working with my sponsor, George Friend, another name dropped there, said, uh, I go, I don't know whether to stay or not. And he goes, don't worry, the decision will be made for you. And I'm like, well, that's way beyond, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even wrap my head around that. But, but uh, 
uh, you know, I eventually I said, okay, you know what? Um, I said, you know, now's the time. Now's the time for you to start picking up your end. And uh, that's all she needed to hear. And uh, turns out she had been seeing a policeman in our city while I was at work. And uh, I eventually left the house. I didn't. I never knew when to leave. And and this was after an inventory because I had gone back. My sponsor said, you need to go back, make sure it's done, and I did. And um, I talked to Ray and he said, um, Mike, he goes, I would have left a year ago, but I couldn't tell you. And um, anyway, I gotta wrap this up. Um, I would have liked to have spent a little more time sober, but <laughs> that's kind of the way it is. Um, she, uh, we divorced, she developed uh, stage four colon cancer which spread to the uterus and I got a chance to see her and she'd married that cop and he was an alcoholic because that's what we do you know we live comfortably uncomfortable and uh, we break the cycle here and I got to see her on her deathbed and I told her I said um, you know I'm sorry we ever divorced I'm sorry this happened I I, I really am I, I wish this had never had taken place by this time the cop is gone they made a child together and uh, I said, you know, don't take, don't worry about the girls. I take care of the girls. And uh, and my son had lived with me, and he'd moved on. He, I think by that time he was in Afghanistan. And uh, she pulled me up close and and whispered. She said, uh, make sure you take care of Jules. Now Jules was the daughter that they made, and I was like, wow, has this thing really, you know. Uh, I've come a long way, you know? And that's the other thing, you know, if you're new, a couple of things. One is, whatever you're going through right now, it ain't gonna last. So when I'm having a good time, man, I'm enjoying a good time. When I'm having a bad time, I remember that there's gotta be something better coming. I just don't wanna make it worse. And the other thing is, Brian mentioned it, is you're gonna meet someone that's pretty cool pretty a pretty good person that's gonna be you you know you're gonna be like wow uh, not perfect flawed but wow you know I got I got a set of tools now and um, you know I think I got two minutes I want to be good about this last because I, I know you you do a really good job of keeping this meeting going uh, George friend uh, shared from the podium once and um, he talked about uh, the shepherds back in the biblical times. And if they had a lamb that constantly strayed from the pack, that what the, what the shepherd would do, would he, he would break the legs, two of the legs of the lamb, mend them, and then carry that lamb around with him till they healed. And he said that once that lamb lamb's legs healed and he set the lamb down that that lamb would never stray. And uh, I think that's what happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that's what happened to a lot of us. Uh, you know, what does it say? We're men who've lost our legs, you know? Um, I believe that I was broken in December of 90. I believe I was struck drunk. I've heard that mentioned a few times. And um, Man, I got a, like I said to Adam earlier, man, I got a life beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you for letting me share.
I'm less alcoholic. Yes. Let's give uh, Brian and, and Mike a hand for this community. And uh, a hand for Fernando for cooking. Yeah. And for all the people that bring all the good food and the helpers. And, and we're looking for a cook. So if you want to get help us out here, anybody want to cook, come see Fernando after the meeting. You know, I'm your grapevine rep. Two years, 54 bucks. I got this. This classic, it's gold leaf. The gift of gratitude. Wow. Special edition. Fun and sobriety. What we do here is, is uh, we give these out every week, and then you're supposed to read them and bring them back. I got three back tonight, so thank you so much. And, uh, you know, you could give a, give it to a hospital, give it to a, to a recovery house, a subscription, um, a boys camp, prison, you know, give it to somebody that's stuck somewhere that can't get out. It's meeting in a print. I, uh, so uh, I got one here, gift of gratitude. Does somebody want it? Come I on, Shay. Can I announce the meeting? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So we have a grapevine meeting on Thursday nights at um, the church on the corner of Foothill and I don't know. And, <laughs> yeah, in San Dimas, it's from six to seven. It's a small meeting, um, so you always get a chance to share. So come and we'll read this. All right. Thanks. All right, now, come on, Tina, and we're going to give away a couple things here from the drawing. And let me give. Good evening, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm alcoholic. We got some vintage material here tonight. Vintage, right. vintage. That yeah, is. <laughs> got it. Alcoholics Anonymous comes of age on tape. You could convert it to CDs and pass it around to your friends. And then we have a, a, a vintage uh, 12 steps and 12 traditions on tape. We have a vintage daily reflections. It's a different, uh, it's the old cover. And then look at this. Too bad we don't have the traditions. We could hang them up and, and run our homes by them. But th these are the steps. So you nice. get a choice of a whole bunch of stuff here tonight. All right. Pick one. Oh, I'm going to pick one? OK, here we go. Six. Uh, actually, it's one six one nine six nine. One six one nine six nine. Woohoo! Yeah! yeah. Which, one, which one do you like? I don't know. We don't have a cassette player. So. Pick, pick one. <laughs> you want the steps? The AA Alcoholics Anonymous comes to me. These are pink. Nineteen fifty-seven. That was a good year. <laughs> Wait, is it in my pocket? I, I that. Yay! 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 Yay!
I just buy them to be supportive. <laughs> I'll probably redonate them. You want the steps? Yeah, this one? Yeah. Wait, don't put the Okay. All right, here we go. 1949. That's a good year. 1949. 1949? How about 46? Yay! Yeah. Oh, we got a cassette player, too. Do I get the cassettes? You got the cassettes? All right. Which one do you want? Um, I don't know. Give me this. Awesome. Uh -huh. Congratulations, Yay. Tim. And one more, guys. One more. Here we go. 1978. Come on. Wow. You guys all look like winners to me. Wow. Thank you for being here, and thank you for supporting our raffle each, each week. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for letting us be a service. The promises? Okay, these are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will realize, um, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and you, yeah, self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? No, we think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. After a moment of silence for those still suffering, in and out of these rooms, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Come back. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And these I can go ahead and keep for the next time, yes, right? Sir. Okay. Yes, Thank sir. you. Are you running low on raffle tickets? On uh, no, but we can use more. Okay, I'll remember all three of them. Okay, thank you so much. I bought some at a garage sale for Gracie, and she never took them to school. Thank you. I bought them for my daughter, and she never took them to school. Oh, yeah, we'll use them. Definitely. Thank you.
Bookends, right? You did the starting prayer and the ending prayer. It's That's like it. The, the meeting is That's a Tina it. bookend. So, like I said, my name is Brian, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Brian. Um, thank you, Mike, for reminding me about this meeting and uh, for having me be here and talk. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I took a, a, a 30, uh, 29 day or less, or sorry, 29 day or less chip because, um, you know, I, it was told to me a long time ago, um, like, you know, how free do I want to be? You know, and what does that look like to me? Well, honesty, you know, like, I had to be, you know, become really, really honest, you know, vigorous honest, like it says. And uh, so I don't know about you guys, but my alcoholism adapts. So if it's not alcohol, it'll turn to food, to other things. It'll turn into, you know, uh, prescription medication is, is also, that's, that's why, um, you know, I reset my clock. Because I called my sponsor and I told him, I said, you know, um, I'm feeling some kind of way about this. And, you know, I'm starting to use, well... It, it was all bullshit. The, the reality was I, I knew what I did, you know, and I, ne I needed to tell myself. And um, being in the program, that's what I learned, you know, to do, is to tell myself, you know, how am I going to get better if, if, you know, I'm only uh, lying to myself, but uh, alcohol has been a part of my life since I was a little kid. I grew up in an Irish-Italian family, and if anybody knows about Irish and Italians, we like to drink a lot. And... Uh, it was very common for us to be drinking, you know, as kids. There's pictures of me drinking. I, you know, I, I remember my first sip that I remembered. I remembered the flavor of it, and it tasted really, really good. And I was just a little kid. But, you know, my, my drinking career didn't really start uh, super early. Um, it's actually funny. Uh, I started with, actually, uh, cannabis. Uh, I was in seventh grade. I, I had watched uh, The Breakfast Club. I'm sure a lot of you have seen The Breakfast Club. And... Uh, I, I remember seeing them, you know, dancing around and laughing and everything, and I was just like, ah, that looks like a lot of fun. Well, I got a big surprise on that one. Uh, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. All I know is that I was expecting to laugh. So I had a, I had this girl on the bus. Like I, I played this thing out like perfectly, you know, chewed up ravioli in the morning, spit it in the toilet, told my mom I was sick, and then I put on breakfast club. I go outside and I take a couple puffs of this thing and. Uh, it did not make me laugh. It made me freak out. I don't know if you guys have seen Ted too, where he's like stuck to the wall saying, you know, like, help me. Like, that's, that's, what, that's what it did to me. So my mom was kind of like, well, that kid will never do drugs or drink like that. And this, well, sorry, mom. Um, the, so what ended up happening is, um, you know, over time, um, I, I would drink, but um, I didn't, I wasn't drinking to numb my feelings. You know, that didn't start until I was in my early twenties, but, um, I am the type of alcoholic that, um, I was a functioning alcoholic for many years. Um, I was drinking anywhere from 
you know, 12 to 1500 milliliters of vodka, you know, because in the beginning, I got tired of peeing with beer, you know, it just got a little annoying having to pee every five minutes. But I was definitely the type of drinker that could drink, I'd be a fifth deep and be driving around with my kids, working a job, driving a company vehicle. Um, I've crashed a number of cars, you know, I definitely crashed a company vehicle. And of course, it wasn't my fault because there was another driver that was invisible. Um, you know, it's all the things that that we do when, we, well, I do when I drink. And um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I really had a problem though. And uh, it it was it wasn't until 2012 that I really realized I was an alcoholic. Uh, it was 2012. I was living in Big Bear, and uh, I had a fiance at, at the time. Uh, sorry, honey, I told you about her. Um, I had a fiance at the time and uh, she told me, she said, well, you can, here's the booze. And she had a bottle in hand. She says, here's me, make your choice. Of course, you know, I chose her. And um, so later on that evening, I start to get sweat, sweating and feeling weird. And there was this like weird, like thing of light, like following me around in my eye. And uh, later that night I had a grand mal seizure. And I, I didn't know that stopping alcohol abruptly would do that. And I had been drinking every day solid for at least a good four years, solid. I mean, every day for four years. And not just drinking, I mean, really drinking, you know, like not a sip, not a beer, you know. And uh, so um, I had the grand mal seizure, but that's not, that wasn't enough. What actually showed me there was something wrong was when she said, I remember coming to you and she says, you want me to call 911? And I said, sure, just hand me that beer first. You know, I mean, that's that's the type of thing that I as an alcoholic, you know, it. I needed my alcohol. I mean, I needed it, I needed it like a heroin needed a fix. That's, that's what I needed. There was a certain amount, you know, it's kind of funny too in the beginning. I mean, like, who do we think we're fooling? When like buying, who buys 20 of those little vodka, you know, like the little single shots, the airplanes? I mean, I must have, I, when I cleaned up a little bit, like I found probably at least a hundred of those bottles. And I did the math on that. I'm like, I could have bought pretty, you know, a few bottles, uh, good bottles of, of vodka. But I don't know. It's like this thing, you know, hiding them and then putting them in weird places and making sure that I always had a bottle. But anyway, those are my qualifications. Um, I do belong here. That's for sure. Um, so what I'm doing now... Um, the difference between now and the last time I, I've, I've tried it, and many times I've tried getting sober, is, um, I don't know, I found God. And finding God was the, biggest, uh, was the biggest game changer for me. Because I started actually using God for what, you know, other people have told me to do, you know? My fears, you know, give all these things to God. You know, and I used to think that, um, you know, that people were crazy. It's like, oh, you're nuts, you know, give it to God. He's not gonna do anything. But, you know, I always knew there was something there, but I, I never had seen like, I never really had a spiritual awakening, you know, and I did, I had one. And so between that and working with my sponsor and just being completely honest, you know, that that's, that's the thing is, I mean, now if I tell like a little lie, you know, or something, it bothers me. You know, I'll tell you a story real quick. So I, uh, I was at a gas station and I was pumping the gas. You know, usually when you hand them $20, you hand them a, a bill and they put that amount on it. So I think I handed them a 20 or something and then it kept going past 20. And I, I clicked the gas real quick and I went and told the guy, which me before would have just let that thing fill up. But 
that's not the worst. That's not the funniest part. The thing is, is those couple dollars, I didn't have any extra money on me at the time. And the guy said, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But it, fuck, it messed with me like the whole, like uh, for a few days. So I went back there and I gave him the couple bucks and he just looked at me and he said, oh, you know, but that's how my mind thinks. Like I, I have to be honest like that now. You know, I have to be totally honest because if I'm not, I mean, I'm going to end up right back where I was, you know, and, and that was a very scary place. You know, I have my lovely wife here and my friend Eric, good friend. Um, I'm making actually friends in AA and my phone used to be, it used to be brother, mom, connect, 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 liquor store. And then like, but now it's just all AAAA family, you know what I mean? Like I actually did what was suggested by getting a wall of people that are in the program. And I didn't really know what that would do for me until one night I got into trouble. I didn't really get into trouble, but I was feeling some kind of way and I just kept calling people down the list. And finally someone picked up. I was in an unsafe situation. They sent an Uber for me and took me somewhere safe. Because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do, is use those numbers to call for help, not drunk dial them, which I learned that's not a good idea to do. Um, old Brian. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is, is I actually like who I am today. You know, I'm a caring person. You know, I don't know many of you people out here, but I have a love for all of you because we are in a program that is such an amazing program. I mean, how blessed are we to have this? You know, everybody in the world, like, you know, normies, whatever you want to say, call it, um, they, you know, we have, we have it all in front of us, what we have what, or what's suggested to do. And it's not just working the 12 steps. It's, it's a life, you know, those 12 steps to me are 12 steps to living life, me living life. You know, and every day I take that inventory, you know, I get on my hands and knees every day and thank God for every breath that I have, because, you know, I should not be standing here. I could get into some stories, but I'm not, um, you know, I've been dead on the table at DOA before, um, you know, I really should not be here, but obviously God has a plan for me. And for once I'm actually taking the passenger seat, I'm giving God, the, gave God the keys and I just. Say, you know, put my hand out for the work. Whatever he puts in front of me, it's, it's meant to be. Because I know that where I'm walking now is the right path. So walking the right path and being honest, not using, not drinking, um, everything I, I can see that comes from God. You know, I see how God speaks to me in ways, you know, that I, I, I was in a situation once and I almost took a drink. But right as I was about ready to call the liquor store, my sponsor called. Come on, you know, I, was, I looked up and I was just like, I just started laughing because it's like, that's how the program works. You know, it's like we, these little moments, these little things. And a lot of people say that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, people talk about miracles, things like this. I'm like, you know what a miracle is? A miracle is when somebody makes a phone call to, to somebody for help versus the connect. That's a miracle. You know, it's a miracle that I'm standing here. You know, like there's miracles all around us. And, you know, as I was talking to some people, um, about this and they started looking at me like, you know what, you're right, because it, it is, you know? I mean, the little things, I mean, we're the only people that that like give a stand, standing applause for somebody who just opens up a bank account, you know what I mean? It's like these normal things that normal people do, I mean, they're, they're humongous to us and I, I just love the program. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm very thankful to be here. Um, I'm sorry I really don't have a whole lot of interesting things to say, but um, I'm just grateful to be here and to be sober. Thank you.
Okay. And now we have Mike as our speaker. Be honest, Mike. Uh, thanks, Brian. Uh, Brian and Danielle were our two uh, chip takers today, his, his wife. So uh, congratulations. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm alcoholic. And um, I want to thank Les for uh, asking me to share. And, uh, you know, I've been AWOL from AA for quite a while. Um, I, I did a, a, I've done an eight-year stint in Al-Anon. Um, by the way, are there any Al-Anons here tonight? Yeah, see, there's a few here. Uh, I was Al-Anon before I was alcoholic, but uh, my talk tonight's going to center around Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I got to tell you, this is the meeting that uh, reconnected me to AA. I uh, decided to come here one night. Marcos, uh, my sponsor, invited me and And uh, nothing but kindness here, uh, you know, right on down the road. Uh, Fernando and uh, Lisa making the cakes and Rachel doing the literature. And I met Brandon tonight. He's the uh, lettuce and tomato guy, I guess. And uh, and then Tina, she's always doing something. And uh, so uh, you know, I'm blessed. You know, I'm really blessed. I I I, I got a lot of friends here tonight too. Uh, Adam asked me how I was doing, and I and I said I'm blessed. I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I know that sounds pretty incredible, but it's true. If you've been here any length of time. Uh, and you live the way that I've lived, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not deserving. But, uh, you know, I always had problems with people who were name droppers, but uh, that was my dad saying, uh, Brian, build a wall of AA friends. That's what he lived by. And uh, I had a problem when I was new uh, in AA because um, these people would get up at the podium and they'd start dropping names, and I didn't know anybody. I was new, fairly new. Um, my dad got sober when I was 12. And uh, we were having all the AA parties, but um, I see Dan here tonight, and I used to go to meetings with his dad in the morning. And, uh, and then something funny happened. I stuck around, and then pretty soon I had a list of names. And then pretty soon I was getting up at the podium, and I was sharing, and I had names. And uh, uh, I don't know if that alienates the new person or not. I, don't, I hope not. Uh, we don't have too many here tonight, but... Uh, you stick around here long enough, not only will you meet people that really impact your life, but you'll hear your story from up here. You know, these are almost like interrogation lights. I don't, don't let them scare you. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, it's, the, the podium is, uh, this is truth serum, you know. So I asked Marcos if he would lead, and he said, no, I can't do that. And I, now I know why, <laughs> right? But, um, you know, I asked for the Al-Anon people because, uh, you know, my dad was a daily drinker till I was 12. Uh, we hail from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my dad won, won and he was real reckless, real unpredictable. Um, I, I kind of liken his drinking, very similar to mine. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Let's Make a Deal, Money Hall, back in the day. And, uh, you know, they had three doors. First door was like a trip to the Bahamas. The second door was uh, a speedboat. And the third door was like a donkey with pulling a cart or something crazy like that. And that's pretty much how... Uh, unpredictable my father's uh, alcoholism was and I was fortunate because he did a lot of his drinking away from the from the house I see that now as a blessing uh, but we uh, we did a geographical in 67 he packed us three kids up and my mom left for California with a hundred dollars in his pocket no job and um, and I think he got dry for a minute or two but uh, we were out here about 30 or 40 days 
and his dad died, dropped dead. And the reason that's important, excuse me, the reason that's important is because uh, my grandfather, his father, uh, had loved my dad unconditionally. In fact, he even tried uh, way back in the day to do uh, intervention on him, long before interventions were even in vogue, uh, like they are today, like you see the show, you know. And uh, so when my grandfather died, we were out here 30 days, we flew back, and that was the beginning of my dad's bottom. And, um, you know, I've, I've got kids that are sober, which is pretty amazing. And my daughter asked me, she goes, Dad, what does it take? What does it take? You know, because uh, she had a few episodes. The book calls them episodes. And I said, usually, her, her name's Ricky, yeah, and I named her. Uh, I, named her <laughs> I named her after the Steely Dan song. Um, I said, Ricky, usually, and, I, and it's the same thing that Ray told me. Ray Goodman was my sponsor. He said, usually you got to lose something that's really dear to you. And that's a fact. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take for you because she was uh, in and out of sobriety and uh, she's eventually found it. She's not an AA member um, and I'm not God. You know, uh, uh, through the program, I've learned to stay in my own hula hoop. So, uh, you know, she, she goes to a therapist. I don't know if she's on medication or not. That's none of my business either. All I know is she doesn't drink, she doesn't black out, she's got three kids, and uh, she's living a pretty good life. My son's sober up in Washington. I think he smokes on the side, if you know what I'm trying to say. And again, not judging. I just know for me, I can't do any of that stuff. Brian talked about it. I can't do any of that stuff. And then I, I have another daughter who uh, uses the church. So, you know, we, uh, we in AA have not cornered the, cornered the market in sobriety. Definitely have not. But this is the only thing that I've found that's worked for me. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my drinking now. Uh, the book calls them episodes. My first episode, really, uh, was about uh, 20 years old. Now, mind you, my father has gotten sober by now. And um, it was really kind of interesting. I'd go into the kitchen, and we used to have this clock on the wall. Well, it was a plaque with a clock. And it said, there will be no drinking until five o'clock. And every, and every number on the clock was a five, right? So that gives you some idea. So one day I go out in the kitchen and in place of that was the serenity prayer. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what's this all about? You know, and uh, my dad was pretty absent in, uh, uh, as a sober member, as he had to be, because he was a daily drinker. I get it. And he poured himself into the program. But my first episode, I was 20 years old. I was with my high school sweetheart, and I rear-ended a police car. And uh, I was on Quaaludes and alcohol. I'm not going to talk about drugs at all, but that's the case. You know, Bill and Bob took drugs. It's in the book, by the way. But I rear-ended this cop and um, impacted him pretty good because I didn't hit the brakes. He stopped at a stop sign. He made a right. I made a left. My parents' house was three doors down. My parents were out of town, and I couldn't decide whether to park it in the driveway or on the street, so I put it halfway up on the curb, halfway down, let it down, and they'd whip a U-turn, and they're looking for a fight, and I'm in no condition to even, you know. Um, and so I went to jail, and, uh, and uh, I got processed that day, and they asked me uh, for a breath test, 
and I don't know what the law is now, but I think you have a choice. I gave a breath and it didn't register because I had just started drinking. It was really the drugs that night. And uh, so they said, well, we want to we want to take you to the hospital and give you a blood test, too. And I said, sure, let's go. You know, I and um, anyway, long story short, I, I go, you know, uh, I, I later told my parents what had happened and uh, they already knew because I got arrested on my parents front lawn. So it was kind of a spectacle in the neighborhood. You know, it wasn't really a secret. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I uh, I went to the court and I looked up on the wall and I'm looking for my case and I don't see my name. And I sit back down and uh, I'm trying to muster. The, my dad sent me to court without an attorney. I'm sure he did that on purpose. You got yourself into this mess, you know. And I went back up there and looked and I didn't see my name. And finally, I got enough courage to talk to the clerk. And I went to the clerk and she said, well, uh, you need to go next door. And next door was the West Vienna Police Department. So I thought, wow, they're gonna just they're gonna just jail me right now. <laughs> and uh, I went to the the cop at the at the desk, and he got on the phone, and he came back, and he said, um, the district attorney has rejected your case. So I'm a 20 year old, long haired surfer that doesn't surf. I'm a little bit like Spicoli, and uh, <laughs> you know, in Fast Times, and I like you know I'm like. District, I, what does that mean? And he really sarcastically got up in my face and he goes, you're free to go. <laughs> you know, um, so I, anyway, uh, what the good that came out of that was I went to my first meeting and uh, I went to a meeting on Grand Avenue. It was a church meeting and I was sweating bullets. I didn't understand anything that was going on. And I remember they read from chapter five. This is chapter five. And I said, chapter five, what chapter five of what? What is this chapter five, you know? And uh, that's why when I get a chance to read chapter five, I say chapter five from the book, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I know that sounds really simplistic, but that's where I started in AA. And, um, and then they read the traditions and I was like, traditions, what the what, tradition of what? And uh, you know, I later found out the traditions, you know, the, AA, the 12 steps of AA is how it works. And the traditions, they, uh, I think they approved those like, I don't know, 15 years after AA was started because the group started to unravel. Uh, they were fighting amongst each other and, uh, the, and it looked like AA might not hold together. And, um, and that's the glue, you know, the traditions are the glue. Now, a lot of times they turn a blind eye to the traditions. It's kind of scares me, but uh, again, I'm in my own hula hoop. I'm not a big political guy, so I just, uh, you know, I know what works for me. And they told me that if I apply those 12 steps to my life, and if I apply those traditions to my life, that's interesting. Uh, you mean I have to be self-supporting through my own contributions? In other words, I got to get a G-J-O-B, job. I almost spelled it wrong, right? <laughs> and I was an educator for 34 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because my father would not... Uh, sponsor anybody that was on medication and again I'm not going to get into that controversy because I, I know there's people that need it I get it I sponsored a few guys that needed it and uh, he, and he wasn't going to sponsor anybody that didn't have a job and what that tells me is not only do I need to be of service to the people in Alcoholics Anonymous but I need to be this uh, to service uh, to my fellow man out there because I, I don't know about you, but I had to spend 35, 34 years in a career where I dealt with the public. And, uh, 
And I wasn't, I, did, I, I didn't have the luxury of surrounding myself with alcoholics all the time, uh, sober alcoholics, I mean, and sometimes wet alcoholics. But, um, but anyway, um, I only have about 30 minutes to, <laughs> to try to wrap this up, and I'm going to try to connect the dots because it's been a while. Uh, my next, I'll fast forward. Um, I'm engaged to be married to that high school sweetheart. And uh, I get arrested on the 210 freeway uh, right across from the Miller Brewery. And that's before the 210 was as busy as it is now. It was desolate. And the CHP, two of them, they get out, you know, they, they come up to the window. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm a blackout drinker. I never crossed an invisible line. I, from, I, I should have... I, I should have had nothing to do with alcohol from the get-go. But he comes up to the window and he says, okay, so where are you guys going? And I told him, we're going to the morgue. Yeah. So there was a chill in the air, obviously, because they, they don't know who I am and they don't know who my buddy is either. And um, gets me out of the car and the, the drink of choice that night was uh, Southern Comfort in a squirt bottle. If you know Squirt, that's like, it's like, it's like Sprite. I guess I don't even know if they sell it anymore, Squirt. But that was the social drinker that I was. That was the drink of choice that night. And um, he instantly knew we had open container. I'm not sure exactly how he did that, but he did. And then he tricked me into handcuffs. And uh, I went to jail that day. And this one stuck. And I was humiliated. Right? Uh I mean, I'm a college graduate, you know, I'm, I'm humiliated. This is horrible. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not this problem drinker. I, I, you know, I'm on, I'm just, you know, it, I think it was spring break. I'm, I'm just having a good time. And, um, I went to, um, I went to a morning meeting during that period of time at the Pomona Valley hospital. And I remember they, they had everybody introduce themselves going around uh, the room, and then they had you say, you know, I'm Jim, I'm alcoholic, I'm Barbara, I'm alcoholic, and it got to me, and I said, I'm Mike, and I'm here on a court card. <laughs> and somebody shouted out, you're in the right place, and I thought, that is, you know, wow, really? You know, that, that, that was so humiliating, you know, that that would, that, that would be the case. And uh, so I remember I went to, um, I had to do some meetings. This one stuck. I had to go to a high gain program, learn all about alcoholism, which I knew because uh, my dad had uh, sent, left all the pamphlets around the house, tried to recruit me into Alcoholics, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I remember uh, in one particular instant, he took me to uh, Betty Ford Clinic to, he knew I liked baseball. And there was a pitcher named Bobby Welch. Um, and he was, uh, there was a film on him at Betty Ford Clinic, so he took me there. And um, I don't remember much about the film. I do remember one, a couple of things. One was that he drank when times were good and times were bad. So he drank when he won and he drank when he lost. And, um, and I thought, wow, he drank when he lost. What a loser. Because I was a good time drunk. I don't know about you, but... Uh, when things got rough, I got down to business and I got things squared away. And the book talks about it, you know. Uh, we build up, we build up, we build up, and then a series of sprees, we start to tear it all back down. And that was me. And the other thing that I remember about the film, so I guess he did in some ways plant some seeds, but it was 
the title of the film was The Secret That Everybody Knows. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, all throughout my disease, you know, I, I thought there was this big secret that, you know, I'm just this, you know, college guy who, you know, drinks occasionally. And, uh, you know, I was just a drunk, basically just a drunk. So I, after that 502, I went to the calendar and um, I drew a little martini glass on the, uh, on the, on the calendar. And I, uh, I put a line through it and I said, that's it. And uh, you cannot convince me that alcoholics don't have any willpower because I refuse to believe that. And I stayed dry for over a year over a year i had no god i had no support system i had no 12 steps in my life um my higher power was my wife my high school sweetheart she hated me and uh, uh my solution my program at that time i would go to a walk-in theater by myself i'd sit in the back in the dark and i just sit there and try to shut this head off because i don't know about you but when i stop drinking this starts running and I never knew that till I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. Someone talked about the committee and their head running. And I was like, oh my God, you mean this happens to other people too? Because, uh, you know, you hear about all that stuff, the squirrel in the cage, all that stuff. My head would run and the only thing that would quiet it down uh, would be uh, a drink. And of course, I've, I had compiled many embarrassing moments many hurtful situations and uh i can't even begin to tell you what i dragged my that high school sweetheart through uh but if you drink like i do you know you already know um and uh so I, you know i had this year dry and i gotta tell you it was the worst year of my life by far but it was a learning it was a big learning thing for me and uh my uh my then brother-in-law said, hey, you know what? I got to go to La Paz, Mexico in Cabo San Lucas. You want to go? And I said, yeah, let's go to Cabo. That sounds good, right? And now, I, you know, I look back and I know what I was doing. And I was setting up my drink, you know? Um, and that's what we do a lot of times, you know? Blame others. Oh, that person didn't uh, talk to me enough. Or that person insulted me. And, uh, and you know, we alcoholics, we're sensitive people. I used to, I used to wear that as a badge till I heard in a meeting that uh, sensitivity is a sign of immaturity. I was like, ooh, I don't like the way that sounds. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention that anymore. And then, uh, you know, I considered myself this emotional feeling guy. And the truth of the matter is that was BS because uh, I wanted to get what I wanted to get and uh, I had this, I put up this guise of, of caring and, and concern and all of that. And uh, you know what happened. I went down to Cabo and I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm at a, on a white sandy beach and uh, there's this straw hut bar and it's 90 degrees. And uh, the book talks about the mental twist. I'm not really afraid of the first drink. I'm not afraid to say that either. What I'm afraid of is the mental twist that precedes the first drink. Because when that hits, man, I'm drinking. I'm drinking. That's just the way it is. And the mental twist that day was, what's this going to hurt? 
I'm 800 miles from home. Who's this going to affect? You know, why? You know, uh, yeah, other, other uh, mental twists is I deserve this. I work hard. If you were married to her, you'd drink too. <laughs> you know, um, you should see the boss I have to deal with every day. You know, people don't understand me when I speak. They don't listen to me. All of that, you know. And uh, I spent a, a, a drunk week down there. My wife had just given birth, by the way, I forgot to mention. And uh, I left about a week after that. I come back, I get out of the truck, climb out of the truck, and she took one look at me and she knew. And I don't have no, any idea how she knew, but she knew. And uh, what did it hurt? I'll tell you what it hurt, six more years of drinking. And I can't even begin to tell you what that did to my marriage, those six years. And of course, if you continue to drink, the cost gets higher and the consequences become bigger. And uh, that's exactly what happened to me. You know, I'm no different. And um, I'm gonna fast forward now, I'm gonna get sober. I got about 10 minutes to get sober and tell you about it. <laughs> uh, my wife and I went to Hawaii and uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to like an amusement park, you're supposed to be having a good time and you're not. There we are in paradise and we're hating each other. And I told her, <laughs> I said, I'm starting a job in September, and I'm, when we get back, I'm leaving. And she didn't put up a fight either. <laughs> she was like, okay. And uh, I noticed something that time I left. I was looking out the window at my friend's house who, uh, you know, I rented a room from him. He drank the way I drank, and, and she wasn't pulling up outside the house anymore. She wasn't following me around. And uh, that was uh, quite an eye-opener because uh, we had the typical come here, go away relationship. Um, and uh, I uh, don't have time to tell you everything that went down, but I, got, I became suicidal and uh, eventually I gave my dad a call and I said, you know what, dad, uh, I, need to, I think I need, I'm half drunk. I need to go to ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. If you would have done a better job, I wouldn't be in this mess. I'm in this condo in Azusa and I'm, and then he listened very politely and I hung up and I called him back later. I said, you know what, dad, I need to get back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And the guy that I thought of was uh, Harvey. I don't know if anybody remembers Harvey, but he's the guy I thought of. And the reason I thought of him is I thought that guy enjoys him, himself in sobriety. He has a good time in sobriety. And I just didn't think that was possible. And um, the problem is I couldn't get a hold of him. He was in every meeting I went to, but I couldn't get a hold of the guy. And uh, everybody told me, you know what? You need to go to that morning meeting, the 615 Attitude Adjustment. And there was only one problem with that. That was the meeting my dad started, and uh, he was top on my resentment list, you know. <laughs> I hadn't done any steps yet, you know. I hadn't done any steps yet. And eventually, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear, and I, uh, I, I bumped into Ray Goodman at a meeting, and, and uh, what a man. Wow, what a man. Woo. Yeah, I mean... I'm dropping names again, but I got to tell you. Uh, he told me, he said, he goes, Mike, uh, we're going to work on physical sobriety. That's all we're going to work on, physical sobriety. And I thought, wow, you know what? I think I can do that because by this time I'm periodic. Um, this is the way I, I was living my life at that time with my wife and my kid, my kids, two kids. Um, I had to wait till party season, birthdays. Um, it started with uh, Halloween. That was acceptable. 
You know, I could stay drunk during that period of time. Uh, and then you advance to uh, the, uh, the World Series, hoping it goes seven games. <laughs> Come on, I don't care who wins. Uh, you know, then you get into Thanksgiving. Then you get into the Christmas season. Uh, then you get into New Year's. Then you get into Super Bowl, like this Sunday. This would be a big time drunk, right? And it would be acceptable. Uh, now, in between all that time, I am irritable and discontented and dry and trying to be that family man, trying to be that husband, trying to be that community person, uh, dying. And then nature plays a really cruel trick on us alcoholics if you drink that way. Here comes Valentine's Day. Now I'm going to make it up to that girl, all the torture, you know, you know and, and for one day I'm going to tell her how much I care and how much I love her and doesn't she understand. And, and, um, but anyway, I, I was convinced I could stay physically sober. And he said, I want you to call me every day and tell me what takes place. And I said, I will. And um, I got to get some water. And I did that. And one, uh, one day, I didn't have such good news for him. And I told him what was up. And I wasn't proud of my behavior that day. And he told me, he said, he said, wow, Mike, he goes, that's not very spiritual, is it? And I go, no, it's not. And he goes, and this is the magic moment for me. He said, you're going to have to go where your character defects take you. And that hit me between the eyes, like as if someone took a sledgehammer, because what I realized was I was going to have to accept me the way I was, flaws and all. And I was going to have to try to work these steps to the best of my ability. And if I did that, and I stayed close, and I stayed true to myself, that I was going to be able to live a sober life. And, I, and still to this day, I, I, I mean, I get chills right now thinking about it. That was the moment for me. And uh, we went on. I did my inventory. He set a date for me. Very loving man. I got in a relationship right away. My wife's over the hill with two kids. I'm in Covina renting an apartment. I, I got involved with a girl right away. She had a year and a half, and I had four months, I think, by this time. And, and we set a date on the calendar to, to get the inventory. And, uh, you know, I was a kind of sort of guy. The thing about the inventory is you got to write it, but you also have to give it out loud. And so I sat with him and I said, well, you know, um, I guess I did this. And he goes, well, yeah, you did this. And I go, well, yeah, I guess I did. I sort of did. And he goes, no, you did this. And I go, well, yeah, I guess I did. He goes, you did this. <laughs> and I said, again, first time ever, I did this. And uh, he led me through the steps, um, led me through the uh, amends, told me there was a woman at work that you are not making amends to this woman. And I said, yeah, but I heard her. He goes, it doesn't matter. You're not going there. You're not going to do that. Um, the amends can't be a selfish process. Um, you're going to do more damage. And, and um, anyway, um, I got about six minutes to tell you. About six years sober, I'd lived, made all the living amends, and my, my, it was my wife's turn. And she had a pretty good drinking career herself, but uh, it was her turn to kick up her heels. And, and uh, I was bathing the kids, shopping, doing, you know, vacuuming, working full time. And uh, 
but I was happy to do it because I was back in the home with my kids and uh, and it was her turn, you know? And uh, that was the problem with us from the beginning. We were never on the same page at the same time. And um, and so the day came, you know, I was working with my sponsor, George Friend, another name dropped there, said, uh, I go, I don't know whether to stay or not. And he goes, don't worry, the decision will be made for you. That's way beyond, <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around that, but, but uh, uh, you know, I eventually I said, okay, you know what, um, I said, you know, now's the time, now's the time for you to start picking up your end, and uh, that's all she needed to hear, and uh, turns out she had been seeing a policeman in our city while I was at work, and uh, I eventually left the house, I didn't, I never knew when to leave, and and this was after an inventory, because I had gone back. My sponsor said, you need to go back, make sure it's done, and I did. And um, I talked to Ray, and he said, um, Mike, he goes, I would have left a year ago, but I couldn't tell you. And um, anyway, I gotta wrap this up. Um, I would have liked to have spent a little more time sober, but <laughs> that's kind of the way it is. Um, she, uh, we divorced. She developed uh, stage four colon cancer, which spread to the uterus, and I got a chance to see her, and she'd married that cop, and he was an alcoholic, because that's what we do, you know? We live comfortably uncomfortable, and uh, we break the cycle here. And I got to see her on her deathbed, and I told her, I said, um, you know, I'm sorry we ever divorced. I'm sorry this happened. I, I, I really am. I, I wish this had never had taken place. By this time, the cop is gone. They made a child together. And uh, I said, you know, don't, take, don't worry about the girls. I'll take care of the girls. And, uh, and my son had lived with me, and he'd moved on. He, I think by that time, he was in Afghanistan. And uh, she pulled me up close and, and whispered. She said, uh, make sure you take care of Jules. Now Jules was the daughter that they made. And I was like, wow, is this thing really, you know, uh, I've come a long way, you know? And that's the other thing, you know, if you're new, a couple of things. One is, whatever you're going through right now, it ain't gonna last. So when I'm having a good time, man, I'm enjoying a good time. When I'm having a bad time, I remember that there's got to be something better coming. I just don't want to make it worse. And the other thing is, Brian mentioned it, is you're going to meet someone that's pretty cool, pretty a pretty good person. That's going to be you. You know, you're going to be like, wow, uh, not perfect, flawed, but wow, you know, I got I got a set of tools now, and um, you know, I think I got two minutes. I want to be good about this last because I, I know you, you do a really good job keeping this meeting going. Uh, George Friend uh, shared from the podium once and um, he talked about uh, the shepherds back in the biblical times and if they had a lamb that constantly strayed from the pack that what the, what the shepherd would do would he, he would break the legs, two of the legs of the lamb, mend them, and then carry that lamb around with him till they healed. And he said that once that lamb, lamb's legs healed and he set the lamb down, that that lamb would never stray. 
And uh, I think that's what happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that's what happened to a lot of us. Uh, you know, what does it say? We're men who've lost our legs, you know? Um, I believe that I was broken in December of 90. I believe I was struck drunk. I've heard that mentioned a few times. And um, man, I got a, like I said to Adam earlier, man, I got a life beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you for letting me share. I'm less alcoholic. Yes. Let's give uh, Brian and, and Mike a hand for his community. And uh, a hand for Fernando for cooking. Yeah. And for all the people that bring all the good food and the helpers. And, and we're looking for a cook. So if you want to get help us out here, anybody want to cook, come see Fernando after the meeting. You know, I'm your grapevine rep. Two years, 54 bucks. I got this. This classic, it's gold leaf, the gift of gratitude. Wow, special edition, fun and sobriety. What we do here is, is uh, we give these out every week and then you're supposed to read them and bring them back. I got three back tonight, so thank you so much. And uh, you know, you could give, a, give it to a hospital, give it to a, to a recovery house, a subscription, um, a boys camp, prison, you know, give it to somebody that's stuck somewhere that can't get out. It's meeting in a print. I, uh, so uh, I got one here, gift of gratitude. Does somebody want it? Come I on, Shane. <laughs> Can I um, announce Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So we have a grapevine meeting on Thursday nights at um, the church on the corner of Foothill and I don't know. And, <laughs> yeah, in San Dimas, it's from six to seven. It's a small meeting, um, so you always need a chance to share. So come and we'll read this. All right. Thanks. All right, now, come on, Tina, and we're going to give away a couple things here from the drawing. And let me give. Good evening, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm alcoholic. We got some vintage material here tonight. Vintage, right. vintage. That yeah, is. <laughs> we got it. Alcoholics Anonymous comes of age on tape. You could convert it to CDs and pass it around to your friends. And then we have a, a, a vintage uh, 12 steps and 12 traditions on tape. We have a vintage daily reflections. It's a different, uh, it's the old cover. And then look at this. Too bad we don't have the traditions. We can hang them up and, and run our homes by them. But th these are the steps. So you nice. get a choice of a whole bunch of stuff here tonight. All right. Pick one. Oh, I'm going to pick one? Okay, here we go. Six. I, I actually, it's one six one nine six nine. One six one nine six nine. Woohoo! Yeah! yeah. Which, one, which one do you like? I don't know. We don't have a cassette player. So. Pick, pick one. <laughs> you want the steps? 
time. <laughs> the AA Alcoholics Anonymous come to me. These are pink tapes. Oh, I will take that. This is the most useful. Yes. Thank you. No, 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 no. Yay! Okay, one more. One six one nine five seven. Nineteen fifty-seven. That was a good year. Wait, is it in my pocket? Supportive. <laughs> I'll probably redonate them. You want the steps? Yeah, this one? Yeah. Wait, don't put the Okay. All right, here we go. 1949. That's a good year. 1949. 1949. <laughs> Thank you for being here and thank you for supporting our raffle each, each week. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you guys for letting us be of service. Thank you. the promises. The promises? Can we read the promises? Okay. These are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will realize, um, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and you, yeah, self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? No, we think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. After a moment of silence for those still suffering in and out of these rooms, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Come back. Come back. Thank you. I appreciate it.
and these I can go ahead and keep for the next time yes, around, right? Sir. Okay, yes, thank sir. you. Are you running low on raffle tickets? On, uh, no, but we can use more. Okay, I'll remember all three of them. Okay, thank you. I bought some of the garage sale for Gracie and she oh, never took them to school. Thank no, I bought them for my daughter and she never took them to school. Oh, yeah, we'll use them. Definitely. Thank you. I want something. Yay, you're a winner, hey, winner. Um, this is a, a, a Tina bookends, right? You did the starting prayer and the ending prayer. It's That's like it. The, the meeting is That's a Tina bookend. You gotta do it. Right? I don't have a